Brick and Mortar Reporter, Episode 142. Hey there, localists. This is Nick Unsworth of Life on Fire. Welcome you to the Brick and Mortar Reporter podcast. Today's podcast is jam-packed with tips, strategies, and the motivation you need to take your business to the next level. I'm excited about what you'll learn from today's interview. And don't forget that choosing local when you have the opportunity is vital to your community. So now, let me introduce your host, Christy Hostler, with today's interview. Localists, before we get to today's content, I wanted to remind you that this podcast is sponsored by Team Podcast. Team Podcast is the one-stop shop for all your podcast support services. So if you have a podcast or are thinking of starting a podcast and you're going to be overwhelmed with all of the tasks that go along with providing great podcasts, they take care of everything you need, show notes, audio editing, social media, custom graphics for each episode. They can do it all. And the great news is you are only pay one low price, and you only deal with one account manager, not six or seven virtual assistants. So simply go to teampodcast.com, that's teampodcast.com, and take advantage of their package of services today. Hi there, localists. Welcome to the Brick and Mortar Reporter Podcast. My name is Christy, and as always, I'm your host for today. Now, today's guest is unique in many, many ways, as, as well as being our first interview here on the Brick and Mortar Reporter podcast with a business owner outside of the United States. So we're so glad to now have an international guest on our show. Now, Patrick Conlon, he's the owner of a brick and mortar store called Shuforic, and it's a popular shop in the United Kingdom for ladies' footwear and accessories. But the thing is, Patrick doesn't just have a thriving local business. He's also figured out how to take his local business online and create a whole nother revenue stream for his business. So we're so excited to have Patrick on the show with us today to share his business building story and even how he can help you do the same thing. So Patrick, welcome to the show. We're so excited to have you here. Thank you. It's my pleasure. Well, I have just really given a very, very high-level overview, you know, the 30,000-foot view of what you do right now. But can you kind of start and tell us a little bit about the story of you? Tell us about yourself personally or professionally and just everything that you think we need to know that would take us to the point of where you are today. Uh, yes. Well, thank you for that introduction. I was blushing slightly. You, you made it sound all we could so tell. Nice. <laughs> but um, yeah, my my journey is 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 perhaps a mixed bag. In as much as in my younger life, I uh, studied in Spain and in Italy, and worked in the United States and Mexico and and Europe uh, before coming back to Northern Ireland, which is actually on the island of Ireland, even though it's mm-hmm. it's based in Northern Ireland, so very close to where Rory McIlroy, the golfer, is from. Um, yeah. His local club is just down the road from us, so that'll put it in context with someone else that your your listeners wow. might know from the golfing scene. And, and basically, uh, yeah, I moved to this town where I'm currently in, and I started a women's shoe shop, more or less, um, how did I get into that? I actually... Uh, That's I, the question we yeah, all want to know. <laughs> I, I actually um, had had originally started off with a, with a small SEO business, which was helping local businesses get uh, better rankings on Google about seven years ago, which was the big thing back then. Sure. Um, however, that sort of merged and businesses started asking me more questions about online and how they could get a better presence online to help the bricks and mortar store out. And between one thing and another, I actually ended up, curiously enough, 
setting up a women's glossy high-end magazine that would be stocked in all of the local hotels. Actually, an idea I got from my honeymoon because I visited uh, Las Vegas and San Diego. And during my honeymoon staying in San Diego, the hotel we were staying in had a lovely glossy magazine promoting all of the local uh, boutiques, women's clothes shops and shoe shops. And I thought, hey, I could start this back in back in Ireland. And I did Mm -hmm. that. And through that going around regionally, I was I noticed that in my own town, there wasn't a nice specialist a shoe shop for women with something just a little bit different. So I researched the market and started off a smaller shoe shop about four years ago. And then just last year moved into a bigger premises on the high street, have changed the business model slightly where I now um, not only stocking uh, an unmatched range of, of classy women's shoes, but also we go into the traditional comfort brands for, for the older women who, who mm-hmm. at this stage want comfort over fashion so we've (laughs) developed our business model based on the needs of the people walking into our bricks and mortar store and at the same time because of my background with online I always had from the beginning the idea that I wanted to sell my shoes all over the world so very quickly got into selling online at the same time I don't know does that give you a good overview of where we are now Yeah, it really does. And so, so what we're talking about is essentially you started with the bricks and mortar store and from there you went online. And so, um, at this point you, you now run both cons- uh, contiguously or consecutively, however you yes. want to call it at the same time. They're both still going. Mm-hmm. Excellent. So that gives us a picture of where you are. Now, can you kind of tell us a little bit about did you when you first started in the business world did you did you work for someone else did you have like a a job that someone else sent you a paycheck for um yeah well many years ago i started off really being the marketing director for international language academies um okay. so, so basically i worked in spain speaking spanish and the objective was to get I guess, um, families in Spain to want to send their kids to study English for a full year, full board in either the United States or Ireland and England to learn English. So I had a bit of a marketing background, but I always wanted to come back to, to Northern Ireland to start my own marketing business. And it has kind of evolved into also by helping many other businesses with their marketing. I thought I'd like to have my own business where I can market my own product. Sure. Which, which, yeah, which that's in kind this of case pr- was the social shoes. proof. Yeah. yeah. Wow. And the thing, the thing is, those that what you are doing or what you kind of specialize in is the two areas that we hear, especially in your, if in, you're in my position, where I hear over and over again from local business owners that they're. Uh, they struggle with the online thing and they struggle with marketing and know how to actually allocate marketing dollars, how to see whether they're getting a return on their investment and just really trying to figure and get, you know, figure out and get their arms around both of those things. So I'm so glad uh, you've got that expertise so we can pick your brain a little bit. Yeah, well, th- that's that's really essential, isn't it, to, to running a good business? Now, let me ask you this. When you started, you moved um, back to the town you're in right now in Ireland, and you started your local business. Were there any types of community resources that were helpful or useful to you when you got your business off the ground? Um, Yeah, 
like every other country, you do have your local chamber of commerces and, mm-hmm. and regional business bodies that where you can go to for advice. So I would have taken advantage of those uh, mediums out there, but they all have limited help. Ultimately, mm-hmm. a lot of it is advice, but on the day-to-day running of your business, you're kind of left to your own devices to work it all sure. out. So um, I had the support of other business owners whom I had gotten to know through the the selling of advertising in the, in the magazine. So I was able to bounce ideas off them. And ultimately, the fact that I was going around a lot of other businesses before starting the shoe shop gave me uh, an insight into the retail world that I was able mm-hmm. to take the best things that I could see in their businesses and try to apply it to my own. So that that kind of glossy magazine mm-hmm. that was, it was really like the lead-in for building a network or getting to know other small businesses or getting uh, your name out there and that sort of thing. How did, how did you start? Like, how do you start something like that? Do you just decide, hey, I'm going to do it, and then you go get buy-in from the local community, the business owners, or... How did that? How did that exactly work? Was this the magazine end of things? Yeah, the magazine. Yeah, because that, um, that's a, that's a unique way to start kind yeah. of advertising and promoting local business. Well, it, it it was more based because I live outside of the main city, um, so to speak. Oh. If the main, if Belfast being the main city is in the east, I lived in the west. So a lot of the high end business owners were saying, you know, all of the high end glossy magazines are all based in the city. But we want yeah. one to promote to all those people who are coming from the city to the west on their holidays, on their vacations. They're staying in the local hotels and we want to have something that they can then say, well, let's go and shop uh, in the local area while we're here. So it was more um, the local newspapers didn't reach that target audience. and the, There are a lot of hotels around where I live. So. I wanted to get their products in front of all of those people coming on holidays. So it was a different um, revenue for them. This was all pre-recession, obviously. So there was a lot of money yeah. going, being thrown into advertising and it worked for them. I had the local Rolex dealer who who obviously only needed one person to come into a shop and buy a Rolex yeah, and it would exactly. have <laughs> paid, yeah. paid, paid well in advance for his, for his ad. And People did love it. It it was really uh, a very high-end magazine, and women bought it in the local shops too. So it was really good. But it but it it gave me contact with more and more business owners again. Even though I had a good basis through the local SEO company, mm-hmm. um, so I was mer- I was always merging the online with the bricks and mortar through gotcha. different avenues. I I always have been working in both arenas and that has helped tremendously especially when I've been uh, coaching other local business owners because ultimately they would be coming to me and saying Patrick you're selling online how do you go about it Uh, what are you doing it seems so daunting for me I've tried it before it hasn't worked Uh, Mm -hmm. it's not really my area And, and and that has led on to what I currently do which is selling online today where I'm, I spend most of my day now coaching other business owners, helping them to delve into the online world, to set up their eBay, their Amazon, their website properly, mm. and, and to make that jump. Well, I love that you actually kind of did your bricks and mortar as, I don't want to say a test case, but, you know, to, to actually 
put your your theories into practice and actually do it for yourself and see the challenges because you, now you know exactly what your customers are going through when they have a real live product that they need to sell and they need to drive customers and traffic and everything else to that location. Absolutely. So I think think that's great. Now, did you? Let me ask you this: Whenever you finally went out on your own and you started your own business, did you have any fears, or did you just always know I'm going to be in business for myself and this is just my path? Well, hey, we all have visions of a big tumbleweed rolling past <laughs> the front of your shop in a desolate town where no one exactly. wants to come in and buy your things and every uh, everyone walking past with everyone else's bags of the goods oh, they've bought. <laughs> that is so true. That is just putting yourself out there and feeling the rejection. Oh, so uh, fears, yeah, we've all had many of them. It's it's. It's learning how to deal with fear. Um, that, I guess, is one of the key areas in life, never mind in business, yeah, is really now. trying to to kick it in the back end and tell it where to go uh, and right. live live your life without fear. So, yes, I had plenty of fears uh, of obviously it basically not working, um, people not wanting what you were bringing in, the competition from other retailers, the rejection from from other shoe stores, which which I obviously would have known through my uh, oh, advertising yeah. business. But yeah. the the you know it was it was fine, and uh, it it's it's never going to be as bad as you think it could be. No, anyway. that is true. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, that is true. So you, it's it's so much about getting, like you said, kicking it in the behind and telling it where to go, but putting that fear in its place and saying you're you're not gonna, you know, so much is built up in our minds and we end up letting it give us a, a whole different level of anxiety and stress because we go to that worst case scenario, you know. So yes. I I completely agree with not not letting it kind of reign and rule over what's going on in your mind and creating worse scenarios than will ever even happen. So mm-hmm. that's awesome. Now, I don't really you know, want to spend a ton of time focusing on the negative, but I wondered if along the way when you've had all these different business experiences that, you know, while they're different, they all have some common threads going through them. Was there a failure that you had along the way that maybe you could share with us that other business owners could learn from? Um, in, in the area of, I guess, I guess um, over the years, I've become more um, adept at learning how to deal with my staff. Um, ah. Perhaps in the early years, uh, I may have made some judgments in the magazine business, some sales staff that perhaps weren't, I was choosing people that, I thought were the best fit whom I liked when really I should have been um, concentrating on their skill set. Um, mm. So, so some I, I got burnt a few times in the, in that arena. So, so uh, failures, I suppose, the, the odd failure in not choosing the right staff in certain areas. But thankfully, I've learned the lesson, and now uh, I've got a great team around me, and that certainly, certainly for the running of the shop, uh, it all runs really well without me being there on a day-to-day basis, which is great. Well, and you know, that's where so many business owners want to get. They want to get to that point where they are not so entrenched in their daily business that it can't run without them. And so many are tied to their business where it, you know, I have to be there from open to close. So can you just talk a little bit about um, how you have that set up, like how many employees you have and kind of how you went through that transition of working yourself out of your business? 
Well, I, I am an avid reader, uh, and mm-hmm. I'm constantly reading business books, and I'm listening to podcasts and um, Yay! <laughs> all of that type of thing, and watching tutorials online. So I've always had an interest over the years in, in reading business books. So you know, I've read the typical ones, the uh, E-Myth Revisited, and you got to sure. work, and basically that premise of you have to work on your business and not in mm-hmm. it. Uh, mm-hmm. Is something which which makes me try to have that philosophy uh, and not getting caught up in the minutia of day to day and really letting the staff um, grow and and they can mm-hmm. handle it and it's not a problem until it is a problem. Right. You know, right. I, I try to. Um, no one's ever going to run and love your business as much as you do, especially in the bricks and mortar arena. Sure. But we have to learn to trust others and. If we have that time to be able to work on our business, on the marketing, uh, on the things that perhaps the staff, they, as long as they're good with the people that are walking in off the street and are able to sell your product um, mm-hmm. sufficiently well, well, you got to work with that and, and sure. make it work that way. So uh, I, I guess a lot of the stuff that I'm reading in books, I'm trying to practice myself in the bricks and mortar arena and and ultimately that helps everything. Yeah, and I think, you know, that's so great that you, you do say, you know, work on your business and not in your business. And I think so many people start a business to get that freedom, the time freedom, you know, to say, I want to create something great or I want to work on my marketing or I want to do this sort of thing. And they're so entrenched. And I, you're not the first person that has said you kind of have to trust your staff and you kind of, you know, trust your hiring decisions, trust your staff. And many times I hear that people are surprised that when they kind of let the control go and let the staff make the judgment calls and make the decisions, that many times you're pleasantly surprised that they're doing exactly what you want them to do. Yeah, uh, and if you have a manager in, it is to manage the shop, so you got to let them manage it. Yes, yes, <laughs> uh, and um, I you see it so many times where we get in our own way and we're the biggest the biggest obstacle or hurdle to our business. So yeah, I completely well, get that. You know, it, 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 it's about having that as long, as long as they feel that you're close by, as long as they know that they can call you at any time, as long as mm-hmm. they know that you're not away and forgetting about the business. Sure. Sure. And that they see that, you know, it is still a huge priority and you want it to work. So you're there for them to answer any of their questions by email or phone or whatever. And, you don't want to be just disappearing altogether, but certainly let exactly. them let them have their place and and let them get on with it. Yeah, and it's yeah you don't want to be the one on vacation all the time while your your employees are still there working extremely hard. So <laughs> just make sure that they get their vacations too. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Mm-hmm. Speaking of vacations, we're going to end up with a little bit of noise here as a boat goes by. I I do my podcast in my outdoor open air studio here and so uh we do have some natural and uh man-made noise <laughs> noises that will eke in from time to time so oh, just helps please, us, helps keep please. us focused on the right things though right heading out My to go goodness. fishing or <laughs> diving that's, or something that is just i can just i can it's smell the life. sea oh. <laughs> exactly the salt air does good for you yeah, so now let me ask you this patrick at this point you've done a lot in business and spent a lot of years doing your time uh, in the trenches and building businesses and that sort of thing. What do you think at this point in your life is your greatest business accomplishment? 
greatest business accomplishment? Well, I've had a few. Um, I would certainly say the conjuring up from start to finish of a of a fully fledged ninety six page glossy magazine was quite a feat. Yes, yes, uh, I would uh, say so too. Kudos from, for that. <laughs> from the you know hiring of writers and graphic designers and distribution and all of that. So so and sales. So that was that was a big achievement to achieve that in a crowded marketplace. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the shoe shop has been a great success too, uh, delving into the bricks and mortar. I've had a lot and and also the area of getting the online business and starting to really delve into high-end multi-channel e-commerce solutions and learning about right. them and being able to teach those um, difficult concepts to people who have no experience and mm-hmm. doing that successfully and seeing them also then set up their own online e-commerce operations and successfully selling and being successfully and uh, at at what they do, whether it be you know other product lines that I'm not a specialist in but they ultimately end up selling so I've had a few I I would have to say I don't think I could limit it to one and it's still growing I hope to have a few more over the next year exactly don't want to write the final chapter on that yet well you know it is it is true I hate to say it but sometimes I mean it sounds trite and it sounds cliche but sometimes you know your biggest accomplishment can be in helping somebody else get to the level they want to get to and with local businesses and you know that the hurdle for getting online and you know anybody can slap up a you know a e-commerce store but whenever you have it to the point where your e-commerce store does not actually throw monkey wrenches into your inventory and that sort of thing in your bricks and mortar store or you know you don't have this the, you've got you know that whole supply chain thing and distribution channel has to be worked out from one to the other Yes. And so to be able to help somebody over that hurdle and now they're in, you know, in a much better financial place or they're even to the point where they're allocate, they've got their resources fully allocated because like you say, you've got the brick and mortar store. You can't always guarantee that you're going to have traffic coming in. But if you've got your website out there working 24 hours a day for you, then you're creating work that your employees can do whenever the shop opens again. So mm-hmm. I love that helping others is part of that. Now, I want to kind of take a little bit of a turn here, and if you can kind of give, um, I'm going to get you to make a sales pitch, so to speak, to our business owners that are listening, um, to kind of let people know why they should get their brick-and-mortar store online and kind of what it would do for their overall business plan to do that, you know, as far as what they could expect to see, you know, revenue-wise or just how it kind of hedges any risk or any kind of seasonality that you're so can you kind of talk a little bit about that what you've seen since you've done that because you're going on four years doing both simultaneously um yeah well if i'm talking to just the bricks and mortar retailer who hasn't ventured into the online world yet i think it would be absolutely essential that they realize that you can go the whole way from the high street onto Amazon Street, onto eBay Street, onto the World Wide Web Street, and then you're opening up, instead of to 20,000 people, 50,000 people, 100,000 people in your local town, you now are opening yourself up to millions of people. And that 
is the sheer numbers involved in that will mean almost by osmosis, if you have everything set up properly, you're going to do more sales. And that is very, very encouraging. And there's nothing as encouraging of waking up on a Monday morning before you'd be going into your shop if it's quiet because it's a Monday morning you're thinking what mm-hmm. am I going to do now there's only so many shelves I can dust um, yes. <laughs> vacuum y- again <laughs> yeah I mean now you're coming in and you're you're opening up emails you're getting orders ready you're selling goods after your shop closes what a joy to think yes. that on Saturday night when you're when you're out having a meal or when you're with your family and friends that you're getting notifications to your phone where you've sold shoes in Germany, in France, <laughs> yes. in America, in Canada, in Australia from people that you've never seen or heard of. And, and yeah, they've somewhere found your product, bought it, paid for it and are just waiting for it to be shipped. How nice is that? Yeah, and you and those people would never, never be able to find you locally. You know what I mean? They're they're not the people that would normally cross your path in absolutely where absolutely. you are. I mean, that's not where most people are going to find you. So I I love that. Now for um, the local business owner um, who talk a little bit about some some local business owners have tried the online thing in you know years past and have also decided that it created more problems than it did solutions for them. Could you talk a little bit about, you know, your knowledge of of how much different it could be if they kind of stepped out there a second time? Well, yes. Um, what I find in the local area here where I operate in, uh, you, the, general, um, the general situation would usually have been couple of years ago, they start to hear that they got to sell online and all of a sudden uh, the, the, the local web designer who, who's in and around the town will be going to them and saying, well, what, you're not selling online? You're missing yeah. such an opportunity. And, and they're almost getting scaremongered into mm. setting up to sell online. So obviously the local web guy may not be a, a specialist in e-commerce solutions, so he'll just his only objective will be to get you a website, to get you a basic package to start selling online, get paid, and off he goes. It's sure. not in his interest yeah. to continue to make sure that your goods sell. So, so I, I've heard other business owners, uh, friends of mine, are saying, Patrick, it's all right for you, but my stuff wouldn't sell online. And I'm thinking yeah. you are so wrong because yes. it's usually because they've 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 spent very little time or or effort understanding the market well. They set it up and expect sales to just roll in when that's not the case. There is a certain amount of work has to be done. So it's first thing it's a mindset. People will buy anything online if they yes. can get it. And and this thing of thinking your thing will not sell is just a myth. So well and. I think you've proved that too with, I mean, your, your niche is women's footwear. I mean, what, how many more times could you say that, that, that one product is not, it's not a one size fits all product. You know what I mean? And you're still doing it online successfully. Yeah. And, and, you know, a lot of, we do get a lot of women coming into the store saying, Oh, I'd never buy shoes online because I like mm-hmm. to try them on and I want to see how they fit. But I mean, in America, Zappos is a fabulous example yes. of, of yes. A, bi- a billion dollar e-commerce business, which started mm-hmm. selling shoes and online shoes. when, when yeah. people told Tony Shea, you'll never, people will never want to buy them online because of the size variations it. and mm-hmm. return 
policies. And I do admit that in the in the shoe business, we get a lot more returns than sure. perhaps a, a, a cooks a cookware store. You know, yes. a, 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 a spatula can only be so <laughs> so, so wrong, right, right? You know, or wrong in this case. You know, if you order a spatula you get it it'll flip the eggs over perfectly well That's whereas, <laughs> whereas a, 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 a women's shoes need to be the exact color to match the outfit need to be mm-hmm. the, the correct size comfort so there are different variations um, within within the shoe business that are unique to it but ultimately it's the same principles that apply so yes um, there is an awful lot of scope out there and if you present your goods in the right way then they will sell and there you know you don't necessarily have to start with huge e-commerce investments the majority of businesses that i'm dealing with find a niche product um, research the market buy a couple and start selling it perhaps on ebay perhaps on amazon see if it sells and then buy in more stock so if you have a a, a hardware store that may have 10,000 lines of products that you could possibly right. sell to the world you don't need to start off by putting all 10,000 lines on you uh-huh. could start with the ones that perhaps are more recognizable or a a, a little a, a nice mix of them and and then take it from there because it's not always about quantity of different variations i mean you could find five or six different things that sell within your business and that can can totally outsell and and that's really the big difference between the bricks and mortar store and the online store is that in the online in the bricks and mortar you might need to have if we take the case of a say a cookware shop you might be selling 10 different types of of cups uh, or mugs to drink your coffee out of and you might only have one of each whereas if you're if you start to sell one of those online you want to have one or two styles and lots of them Gotcha, gotcha. So it just changes the mix of your inventory yes. a bit. The buying process becomes different for online because once it starts to sell on the likes of Amazon and eBay, you're capable of shifting an awful lot of the same product. Mm-hmm. Could you talk to us a little bit, Patrick? I know that when we were talking before the interview, you kind of uh, gave a little bit of a sneak peek in, but there are some um, strategic things you can do, kind of this push-pull between your brick-and-mortar and online store when you have that option as a business owner, as far as discounting or uh, even just liquidating inventory and that sort of thing. Can you, can you talk a little bit about your strategy for that or the options that it would open up for a business owner if they did that sort of thing? Um, yeah, well, f- first and foremost, the the initial strategy which I uh, implement in, in Shuforic in this case, which would be different to other online stores, that would be a question sure. of working out what the proper strategy would be. But in my case, we put all of our inventory onto our website. That then is all put onto eBay, all put onto Amazon, all at the same time all interlinked so that if one sells on the website, it'll deduct from eBay and deduct from Amazon. And if one sells on Amazon, it deducts from eBay, deducts from our website and ultimately deducts from our back office system because a lot of bricks and mortar retailers will have some sort of EPOS point of sale Mm -hmm. back Mm -hmm. office inventory controlling system. And that if someone buys a pair of shoes, brings it up to the till, it scans off, that must also then be deducted from your web shop, from your Amazon, from your inventory. So that stock control is essential so that all of your products are on all of the avenues without, you don't need to have four of the same shoe for each marketplace. 
Gotcha. So, so from that point of view, that's the first strategy. Then when it comes to, and you don't always have to discount your goods to, to meet the person who's selling it the cheapest, certainly when it comes to the likes of Amazon and eBay, the, the, the metrics and the quality score is yes. much more than just price oriented. Mm-hmm. Yes, it's important that you're not way outside of the ballpark figure of what your your product is selling for, but there, there's much more to it than that. There are customer service, there are email response times, there are um, quantity of inventory, there's history buildup. So, so there's a lot more to take into consideration um, when you're selling online. And thirdly, uh, it also is seasonal. It depends on what time of the year it is. Uh, sure. How much advertising revenue we would put into Google pay-per-click advertising or product listing ads, as they're known, or remarketing banners and stuff. It, it really just depends on the time of year as to it, it, it complements each other in, mm-hmm. in the case of, of the online business versus the bricks and mortar, which is an advantage to a certain extent mm-hmm. that the bricks and mortar retailer have over the person who is exclusively online. You often hear... Um, online businesses saying, oh, it's great, I don't have a, a, a the rent and the rates and the staff sure. costs associated with the bricks and mortar business. However, at other times of the year, if you run a sale in your shop at the end of the season, you can certainly get rid of an awful lot of stock um, uh-huh. than, than you may not necessarily get rid of online. And then sometimes if you don't discount your, your sales stock online, you're still getting full price for it, even in a sale. Sure, yeah. And 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 the good thing is is that you can balance out some of the seasonality or even some of the highs and lows of your business by like you say if it's slow during, you know, for whatever season or whatever during your sh- shop brick and mortar time, um to then push more towards online and and really ramp up those marketing efforts and and really try to level out your numbers and your your revenue figures just as a ballpark is getting on online for a brick and mortar store is it a huge dollar investment for them to do that not initially no not not um it it depends what you consider as huge investment I mean, yeah it, it's a serious operation when you sell online sure. it's not for the faint-hearted mm-hmm. but it's not right it's not something that you can whimsically think I can set up a, a a a website which is a bit a bit of a botch or a bit of a mm-hmm. a, a bit of a um, half baked effort. When you're taking money off people online, your website has to be properly designed and properly set up so that it encourages confidence and that people realise that you're not just some guy selling his goods out of a out of the hood of his car. Uh, right. <laughs> you know, it, it, it needs to come across professionally. And so there is a certain amount of long term investment that you would put in once you've proven that your goods will sell. I see. So you don't have to be prepared to spend tens of thousands of dollars just to test it out and see if it's going to work for you. No, right? not, a, not initially. But if you've already got uh, a, a website which a website. is performing uh, online to a certain extent and you want to notch it up to the next level where where all the synchronization takes place where the 
where the uh, abandonment checkout emails are configured properly. Yes, for for yes. example, in the case of, of shuforic.com, our own website, um, if someone buys a pair of sandals in the case of somewhere nice like in Key West where it's sunny yes. all year, uh, <laughs> they go on, they get a new pair of sandals, they put them into the basket and all of a sudden they realize that their uh, boat uh, is is yeah. out the front, or someone goes past and they go out and wave at them and and tell them to come around later for for a glass of wine, whatever the case may sure. be. Um, and, and you forget about that. Well, after two hours, you'll get a reminder: Hey, you've you bought this pair of sandals. It's sitting in the basket. You have to finish your checkout. And then you can also set up another automated email that after 22 hours they'll get another email reminder. And then after two days, a final reminder with perhaps a discount code to help them nudge them over the line and say, hey, we'll give you a little percentage off if you complete the sale in the next 24 hours. And that level of technology can be done where it's all set up and it's all automated. And how nice is that? That, that's great. You know, and that's that's the one thing, too. I mean, you end up with different metrics that you're looking at as a business owner from your your website. You know, you're looking at where's your traffic coming from? You know, where are you getting uh, referrals from? Where uh, how how is your click through rate for your Absolutely. products? What is your shopping cart abandon rate? And there mm-hmm. there are all these things that are metrics that now you have real data on, which, you know, you probably don't know how long an average customer spends in your brick and mortar store. You can't say, well, they spend an average of 22 minutes in there, but you can tell that on your website and how long people spend in your shopping uh, cart, you know, and that sort of thing. And those are great indicators for you to benchmark and then start working on trying to improve through the different methods. So I love uh, that you're doing that. And the the auto response is great because you're right that that shopping cart abandon is a big thing with the uh, online and to have that auto responder set up. So it keeps going and finally says, you know what, if you're still thinking about it, here's 10% or 15 or 20% off and mm-hmm. go ahead and get that sale closed. So I love, love the automation and you get a little bit uh, spoiled online with so much automation and so many, many things being made advancements in technology that can help make this less and less cumbersome and less Absolutely. and less manual. Mm-hmm. Now, let me ask you this. What type of marketing strategies are you using for both your online and your offline business right now? In the case of Shuforic, um, we well, we we kind of merge both together. So we we do okay. we do um, we do use Facebook quite a lot to market okay. to our local community. Uh, we can obviously target by towns and cities. Um, so we, we would we would be posting every other day or every couple of days. Um, we're not. It's not always a huge sales pitch we're just showing our product we've recently got gotcha. into video um where we're oh we're, yeah tell us how you're using that that's an awesome thing well um i suppose essentially you could go over to facebook.com forward slash shuforic s-h-u-p-h-o-r-i-c and you'll start to gotcha. see some of the some of the stuff that we're putting up there but we 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 would um we would actually get some of the girls to wear the shoes in the shop and to show them off and we'd just video their the, the product on their feet uh in nice. different angles for them to see and you know people are then calling up and saying yeah I like that one hold that one over for me in the case mm. if they're, if they're local and then regionally we link it into the, where they can get it on the website so they can just 
click through and order it. And order it. So that's something wow, that we're I working on. We're working on right now is is taking advantage of that demographic um, through Facebook, and and then we would do our normal pay-per-click advertising with Google. Nice, nice. So you've kind of got got all your channels covered, and the thing is with using social media and then adding video to that. Oh, mm-hmm. that is so critical. And I think I think some people try to overcomplicate even using video but like you say you know you've got a product people want to see how it's going to look on and if you see somebody demonstrating that or showing the features of the product or whatever i mean it can be just that simple i mean it can be video that's taken with your iphone or smartphone or whatever that you can do this with so i love that you're using all of those channels so let me ask you this now what is the next step for your business well, for, for my business, um, with sellingonlinetoday.com, uh, I'm, my next step is I'm also launching uh, a podcast where I will be interviewing other business owners throughout the world who have taken that step and are selling online in, on more than one channel so that they're mm-hmm. on Amazon or eBay and their own website all at the same time or one or two of those methods and and really just picking their brains and, and getting inspirational stories to help other people who are selling online get encouragement and pick up tips and tricks that they can implement in their own business. So I'm, I'm really excited about that. I've already started to interview um, some of the businesses throughout the UK. So that's something which we're, I'm working on and and then being able to create some products for bricks and mortar retailers to help them understand how the online business works. Yeah. So yeah, I'm really excited so about got all a, of that. Got a lot going on. And that's the good thing is that's the beauty of what you've done with your lo- local business. You know, you've you started it and then you worked yourself out of it so that now your time is being able to be spent Pursuing these other things that you love and you're not so locked into, you know, having to show up at a brick and mortar store every morning at 9 a.m. and opening the door and being there at 6 o'clock or 10 o'clock when it closes at night. Mm-hmm. And you can feed that creativity. Most of us are entrepreneurs because we have this uh, kind of wanderlust, so to speak, that we want to try all these different things and, you know, impact the world. And you've actually freed yourself up to do that. Now, for our listeners, I wanted to um, let you guys know that what Patrick has done for his store um, and taking it from bricks and mortar to online and then multi-platform selling online, he is now helping other businesses do that. So if you need some help setting that up or getting to the point where you even know what it's going to take for you to get that set up. He is, that is part of what he's doing with his uh, new venture called Selling Online Today, where he helps other people get into the online from bricks and mortar to online, not at the exclusion of bricks and mortar because you still will have your brick and mortar store, but to be able to take that to the online world and open up that revenue channel. It is it is a phenomenal uh, change in your business. So, Patrick, can you talk about that just a minute, what you what you can do for business owners with that piece of uh, consulting that you're doing with the selling online today? Well, yes. Uh, I mean, I am involved in it here in the UK and Ireland on a daily basis where I'm helping bricks and mortar businesses venture into the online world. So I think what a lot of those businesses have been telling me is that they like 
the fact that I also have a bricks and mortar business myself, that yes. I also yes. have and I also have an e-commerce business which is trading on a day-to-day level so I'm not just this consultant coming in and mm-hmm. telling them what they're supposed to do without any experience. I have the daily experience of all the nitty-gritty of what goes into building an e-commerce business and a bricks and mortar business so they appreciate that experience sure. um, in helping them set up their operations. So uh, I know that it, it has been very successful here re- regionally within the UK and Ireland so um, the fact that I can set up a strategy call with someone based in America or Canada or Australia and hear their needs and give them even an initial consultation session to help them go down the right track is invaluable Mm -hmm. and has been for those businesses that I've helped in that way. Absolutely. And that that's the the good news is is that you are a resource for anyone else that wants to do exactly what you've done and you can kind of point them in that direction, guide them through the process and that sort of thing um, and really make it less of a risk and really minimize their their pitfalls, so to yes. speak. Yes. Now, let me um, get you to go ahead and I mean, I can give you uh, the platform to promote anything you want with the, the business that you have going on. And then we want to make sure we know how to get in touch with you and where we can find you online so that we can link up to all of that in our show notes so that our our listeners can actually go and find you online. Yeah, well, they, they can just simply go on to sellingonlinetoday.com and there they'll they can just get my free resources, which I offer uh, as an initial um, as an initial product for them to, and and they can get in touch with me that way. And there's nothing like a ten or fifteen minute strategy call where where we can get a feel for what they want to do and give them that sure. initial advice to help them start that journey properly. So I can be found that way, and okay. and they can also find me on Twitter at Patrick underscore. Conlon, C-O-N-L-O-N. I think that's the proper address anyway. Yeah, okay. <laughs> we'll find it. If not, we'll yeah. definitely find it and link it up for you. And and I, I I would be open for all your listeners, absolutely. I'll 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 give them a, a an initial free consultation for them to be able to to see if I can in any way help uh, in their first step so that they're not wasting money initially and are making the right decisions and overcoming all those fears that they may have um, which aren't unique to them they're 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 they happen in all businesses so uh, i believe i could really help them in their journey absolutely and the good thing if anyone's listening and is not sure whether you need patrick's services or not what he said is so critical with the fact that he has and is doing he hasn't left his brick and mortar store he is running that he is integrating his online business with his offline business so he knows both sides of that he knows what's going to happen whenever you you know open up this whole new channel and he can help you through that process because he's been there and he's currently doing that so that does completely separate you from somebody who's just an expert in online or from somebody who's just run a bricks and mortar store so you kind of marry the best of both worlds there and Patrick can help you make that transition too so Patrick any other words of wisdom that you want to share with us before we close the interview today Christy what can I say Um, yeah I'll I'll, I'll, uh, a famous 
well, famous entrepreneur here in the in the UK um, who just passed away last year. His name was Felix Dennis, and he mm-hmm. was an um, international owner of magazines throughout the world, owned a lot of titles in America too. And he his key word of advice I love so much, he says, it's not the idea in itself, it's the execution of the idea. So, ah. so all, all those bricks and mortar retailers out there, just remember, it's not the idea and it's, a, it's the execution of the idea. If you execute it properly, it doesn't matter what you're selling, it will sell. Absolutely. No, you're absolutely right. And, and the other side of that coin is that until you execute, it's just an idea. And, you know, we all have ideas, but it's those people that truly go out and take action that are the ones that uh, see the results and they see how it changes their lives. So I so appreciate you sharing that with us, Patrick. And we will link up to all the ways people can find you in our show notes. And um, at this point, I, I have just really enjoyed talking to you and picking your brain about I'm fascinated by what you do. And I think our listeners will be as well. And I'm excited about what you're going to be doing, uh, launching a podcast. I I have been a champion of local businesses trying to start a podcast as well to uh, really reach their audience and get grow their following. And so I love that you're you're just getting in one more channel, and pretty soon you'll have everything. You'll have to come up with new channels so you, just so you can get in it because you'll have exhausted everything. So I love that you're doing that and you're marrying the technology with the local world. So. My hat's off to you. I appreciate the time you've spent with us and and sharing your story and your uh, experience with us today. Christy, thank you for the opportunity. Um, I appreciate it. Before I leave you today, let me remind you one more time that this podcast is sponsored by Team Podcast. It's the one-stop shop for all of your podcast support services. So there's no need to be overwhelmed and feel like you don't have time to do everything that needs to be done to create a great podcast. Simply put Team Podcast to work for you. Get all your podcast support services for one affordable monthly fee. And then you go create great content. Simply go to teampodcast.com. That's teampodcast.com and take advantage today. All right. Thank you for listening to the Brick and Mortar Reporter Podcast. I'm Nick Unsworth of Life on Fire, reminding you that building your business happens step by step. Whether you're just starting or growing your business, use what you heard in this interview today to build a strong foundation for your business. Make sure you don't miss a single episode by subscribing to the Brick and Mortar Reporter Podcast in iTunes. And remember, when you have the choice, choose local.